Welcome to Treks and Sci-Fi. This is episode 426 for Sunday, March 3rd, 2013. What's happening, everybody? This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest. I'm M5 on the Treks and Sci-Fi forum, and I'll be your guest host this week. On this week's episode, I'm going to cover another blast from the past. I'm going to take a look at an Italian science fiction movie from 1965. It's Mario Bava's Planet of the Vampires. Before we get into the movie, I'd like to thank Rico for giving me another opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. Thank you, Rico. You are the man. With that said, I'm going to play the trailer to this movie. I'll be back after the trailer with some movie information, and then we'll get into the movie. Let's prepare for a landing, Brad. Okay. In a 40G gravity atmosphere, strange thing happens to man's body and mind. Barry Sullivan and Norma Bengel take you into the most fantastic science fiction adventure ever filmed. Emergency! Emergency! Conditions desperate. Little chance of survival. Help us. Mark, look! What have you got? The Galliot. Bert, get me a fix on this right now. Wes, Brad, controls. Planet of the Vampires. Harboring a form of life worse than death. Planet of the Bloodless. Creatures who take men's bodies, but attack like vampires. Do this if there are any intelligent creatures on this planet they're our enemies in this outer space world the living dead try to escape into life salas no just his body and i'm just one of many beings on this planet and we're fighting to survive it's imperative that our race continue to exist we arranged for several of you to kill each other so that we could take over your bodies. You are our last chance. No, never. We'll all of us give up our lives to save our own race. Planet of the Vampires was directed by Mario Bava. It was released October 27, 1965. It had a running time of 88 minutes. The production budget for this movie was $100,000. It was produced by Fulvio Luciano. It was based on a story, One Night of 21 Hours, by Renato Pestrianero. The music was composed by Gino Marinuzzi Jr., and it was produced and distributed by American International Pictures. And here's the cast. Barry Sullivan as Captain Mark Markery, Norma Bengel as Sanya, Angel Aranda was Wes, Eva Marandi was Tiona, Franco Andre was Bert, Federico Boido was Kier, Stelio Candeli was Brad, Alberto Cevanini was Toby Markery, Mario Morales was Eldon, Ivan Rasimov was Carter, Massimo Rahi was Captain Salas, 
and Fernando Vellina was Dr. Karen. Now let's get into the movie. The movie begins with these two spaceships, the Argus and the Galleon. They've been sent on a deep space mission to investigate radio signals coming from a strange unexplored planet called Ara. Are you able to see anything at all, Bert? Nothing, Captain. Only a surface of clouds. This planet seems to be made of fog. Not even infrared rays get through. Well, keep trying. I've got the laser on infrared. May penetrate. There. The strange signals are continuing. Now the localization is sharper. 15 degrees Velcar coaxial alpha 91. Right. It's our sixth orbit around this planet. That signal always comes from the same point. The man-made transmitter does exist. That's the spot, all right. Two more meteors. Yes, sir. I'll check on the total. Eldon, Tiona, Kel, we just rejected two more meteors. What's our total now? 999, Wes. One more and I'll bake you a little birthday cake with a thousand candles. Without this rejector, we'd look like a piece of Swiss cheese. Our ship would be down in less than a minute. Let's prepare for a landing, Brad. Okay. Attention, attention all crew members, prepare for landing. In 60 fractions of Megon, we'll start the landing maneuver. The intensity of the gravitational field will be maintained at the wave moment of force G7. Synchronize the meteor rejector on the electromagnetic control device. Apply neurovascular tension. Suppress cortical areas X, Y, Z. Insert the automatic controls. We will keep a distance of two parsec from our sister ship Galliot. Respond when command received. Command received. Sanya, give me the captain of the other ship. Spaceship Argos calling Spaceship Galliot. Spaceship Galliot, we're receiving. Captain Salas is wanted on the ionoscope, please. All right, Mark, he's standing by. You were right, Mark. It's not cosmic radiation. It's a reality. A reality that we'll see at first hand. Glad to hear you admit it, Salas. It's never too late. We were never as crazy as you seem to think. You certainly did have us worried, though. Oh, you put a spy on board. <laughs> anyway, you'll have to agree it was just luck. You can't chase after all the sounds of the universe. <laughs> all right, so it's not a cosmic cloud. But what about life? Who can say yet that there's any life on Aura? Who can assure us that it's not a natural source of emission? We'll find out soon enough. Right now, get ready to land. The two ships are preparing to land when the Argus loses radio contact with the Galleon. The Argus's ship alarms come on, and suddenly the gravity increases rapidly. All of the crew go unconscious except for Captain Markery. He has the strength of will to lower the landing gear and lands the ship safely on the surface of Ara. As the crew begin to wake up, they become violent and attack each other. Captain Markery is attacked by two of his crew. He manages to fight them off and snap them out of their murderous trance. Once awakened from their trance, the crew remembers nothing about what just happened. All right, all right, quiet down, quiet down, stay calm. Let's all try to stay calm and figure out what happened. Well, then the automatic controls went completely haywire. 
Maybe we can find out why after Wes has had a chance to check over his recordings. Without warning, the force of gravity increased like mad. And it went up to 40 G, a force which only a planet with a mass a thousand times superior to ours could have put out. Yes, but that's not all. While you were all unconscious and I was expecting the ship to crash head on, the force suddenly stopped and we sat down gently. And then you all went crazy. And if you hadn't held out, I'd hate to think of what would have happened. Yes, it is pretty puzzling. What do you think of it, Professor Carey? I don't know. I don't know what to think. I've always known that any force greater than 25 Gs kills every living thing in a few seconds. Urgent, Instead, urgent. Emergency, emergency. Conditions desperate. Little chance of survival. Help us. We can't hold out much longer. Repeat, conditions desperate. Sounds like Captain Salas. They must be in trouble. Sonia, keep trying. Bert, take a look in the infrared. See if you can spot anything. They must be fairly close. Urgent. Urgent. Help us. Hello. Hello. Argus calling Galliot. Argus calling Galliot. We're receiving you. Continue on this frequency. We'll try to get a fix on you. What is your position? Argus calling Galliot. Argus calling Galliot. Mark, look! What have you got? The Galliot. The reds cut through. Can't tell how far it is. Bert, get me a fix on this right now. We'll do a low altitude takeoff and search. They can't be too far away. West, Brad, controls. They locate the Galliot and attempt to fly over to her, but the Argos won't lift off. They later find out that the solar batteries have been shorted out. The Galliot is a short distance away, so Captain Markery, Eldon, Sanya, and Wes decide to set out on foot. The landscape between the Argos and the Galliot is filled with jagged rocks and pits of molten lava. When they finally reach the Galliot, they find two dead crewmen outside the ship. It's obvious. They fought. They fought and killed each other off. Just as we were about to do. None of this, this madness that has touched some of us, none of this is coincidence. This was planned. By whom? By what? And what about the others? We can look for them. They enter the Galliot to look for any survivors. They find four bodies in the control room. They can't get into the control room because the door is locked from the inside. They search the rest of the ship and find one more dead crewman. He is found dead alongside the damaged meteor ejector. Without the meteor ejector, the Galliot will never fly again. Two crew members are still unaccounted for. They bury the body of the three dead crewmen from the Galliot. Then Captain Markery, Sanya, and Wes head back to the Argos to get a cutting torch to open the locked door in the Galliot. They leave Eldon behind to guard the Galliot. When Captain Markery, Dr. Karen, Tiona, and Wes return to the Galliot, Eldon is nowhere to be found. The locked door inside the Galliot is now open and the bodies have disappeared. Tiona is outside guarding the hatch of the Galliot when something scares her and she begins to scream. Captain Markery, Dr. Karen, and Wes come to her aid and then race back to the Argos. Then the bodies of the three dead crewmen of the Galliot rise from their graves. Once back on the Argus, they try to figure out what's going on and how long it will take to fix their ship. They have three days to fix their ship or they will never see home again. There seem to be several things completely unexplainable. For two years, we heard the electronic signals coming from this planet. Now that we're here, nothing. 
Yes, but we did hear voices. A strange tongue, but voices. There were intelligent beings here. You could have fooled me. I never felt so all alone. Maybe we're not alone. Somebody or something could be watching us here right now. I'll tell you this. If there are any intelligent creatures on this planet, they're our enemies. Wes, you've been taking sightings and adding figures. What does it come out to? How long can we stay here? Three days, Mark. Another three days before this planet's orbit will have swept us so far away. We may not get back home at all. What do you think? Can you boost the solar batteries by then? I'm trying to hook up some other way of starting us. What are our chances? We have three chances in ten to make it. Or be blown to smithereens. All right, Wes, tomorrow morning you get to work. Take whoever you need to help you. Right now, I think we should all get some sleep. I think we need it. not be afraid. And I confess now, to whoever may hear this, that today, now, I am experiencing fear. I must not let my crew know this. I must keep them busy. I must not let them know that the situation appears more hopeless with each passing day. Dictated by Captain Mark Markery of the spaceship Argus. Captain Markery is recording his captain's log when he is interrupted by someone walking in the corridor. He gets up to see who it is, and he spots West. West is acting very strangely. He follows West into the generator room and witnesses West trying to disconnect the meteor rejector. West! West! <laughs> trouble? He was trying to disconnect the meteor rejector. Disconnect the meteor rejector? I don't understand. I can assure you I don't understand it either. Wes, you knew what you were doing. Yes, I knew. I was fully aware. All the time. What? I couldn't help myself. I fought it with all my power, but it was no use. I had to disconnect the meteor rejector. Why, Wes, why? I don't know. It was like, like another will, fighting my own in my mind, trying to take over control. Dr. Karen, have you got any thoughts on this? The only conclusion I can make is that each one of us holds himself his own worst enemy. But how? Why? I'm afraid I know. Whatever unseen beings are out there, they apparently have the power to influence our minds when we're unconscious. They tried it during the landing. And just now, when we were sleeping. Well, if what you say is true, Karen, we mustn't give them any more chances. From now on, we'll put a guard on anyone who's sleeping. Two crewmen are on guard duty outside the ship. One crewman reports seeing strange lights. The other crewman is attacked and killed by something out there. Captain Markery asked the dying crewman, Bert, who did this to you? The dying crewman's last words were, It was Captain... Salad. They bring Bert's body aboard the Argus. Tiona is putting away Bert's identification tags when she sees Bert standing in front of her. She screams and passes out. The others hear her screams and come to her aid. By the time the others get there, Bert is back on the table. She tells them what she saw and they tell her it's her imagination. They bury Bert's body the next day. What's out there, Mark? 
What's happening? That's what we have to find out before they kill us all. Come on, let's get him into the ship. Give me a hand. One entire crew lost, two of our own crewmen gone, Bert dead, Eldon disappeared, and this unknown enemy keeps getting closer. The enemy is also becoming visible. What do you mean by that? Well, you saw something. Something not quite identifiable out of the corner of your eye. Oh, yes, as if it were composed of little globes of light, something fleeting, nothing definite. And the minute I looked at the things directly, they were gone. How can you explain it? I don't know. It's possible they're an alien form of life. That's true. Their form here could be based on a different plane of vibrations. Flesh and blood men can't see them, except obliquely, as you did, Mark, out of the corner of your eye. Then these strange sonic wails we heard could be their voices. That's right. Well, we'll bury Bert tomorrow. Another tomb we have to leave on this dangerous planet. Sonia? I'll be right with you, Mark. First, I want to remove Bert's nameplate. Carter has spotted something not far from their ship. It's an alien spaceship. Captain Markery, Sanya, and Carter decide to go investigate it. Wes? I think we'll make it, Mark. I'm beginning to get energy traces across the inductors. How much longer? We might be ready by tonight. Good. We're making a little tour of inspection. Carter says he saw something down in the valley, something shining. Let's go take a look. Mark, come here. Look down there. That's what I saw shining. Finally, something tangible. That doesn't disappear when I look straight at it. like it's been here for a long time. Look how pitted and scarred the hull is. Doesn't look like any ship I've ever seen. Do you think it belongs to the Orions? I doubt it. I doubt if the Orions ever built any spaceships. If they <gasps> had, we would have... Look, Mark. It's three times the size of us. And judging by the deterioration of the calcium, it must have been here a long time. Probably belonged to an ancient civilization. Carter, you stay here. Keep your eyes and ears open. Right. Sonny and I will take a look around inside this thing. Oh, uh, if he moves, just call out. While exploring the interior of the alien ship, they find a chamber with another giant alien skeleton. They become trapped in this chamber. Now something is sucking the air out of the chamber. Captain Markery and Sonia manage to escape the chamber by using an alien device to open the door. Once outside the alien ship, they find that Carter has disappeared. They make it back to the Argus and report that Carter is missing.
Captain Markery is informed that Tiona has had a breakdown. Tiona says she has seen the undead crew of the Galliot walking around. I'll tell you what happened later. Mark. Tiona. She's in shock. What happened? She was standing guard and all of a sudden I heard her scream. When I reached her, she could only point and whisper, Danny. Toby. There was nothing, Mark. Absolutely nothing. She simply broke down. We'd better talk to her. I saw them. I saw them. I saw them. I looked right at them. Who did you see, Tiona? Who? They were there. In the fog. All mutilated and bloody. Who, Tiona? Who? Tell me. I looked right at them. They didn't go away. They were humans. Mad ghosts. Who, Tiona? Who? Tell me, who did you see, Tiona? Empty faces. Dead faces. The Argos is almost ready for blastoff when Captain Salas and Kerr of the Galliot show up at the Argus. They claim to not remember what has happened to them. Captain Markery takes them in and orders them to get some rest. Tiona still believes she saw the walking dead. Machinery room. Machinery room. This is post number one. Wes? I'm anxious to know how you're doing. Standing guard here makes one even more impatient for the blast off. Is there much more to do before the batteries will be ready? Well? I understand you're worried. But I don't think it'll be too much longer. We're practically there, Mark. Another eight circuits to go, and then... And then we either take off, or we... Or we blow up. Well, right now, I'd welcome either one. Post number Get three, alarm! Who's there? Who's out there? No! Don't fire! Alice. Here. Yes, Mark. It's us. It's us. We're so exhausted, it's hard to concentrate. We remember descending for a landing with all conditions perfect. Then nothing. Until we found ourselves fighting our way out of unconsciousness somewhere out there. Well, that's about it, Mark. Go on. We walked around some. Looking for the Galliot. But we didn't find her. It was a miracle that you found us. All right. I'm glad you made it. I sure can use you. Now, go and get some sleep. Thanks, Mark. Oh, I forgot. If one of you sleeps, the other must stand guard. That's an order. I'll explain it later. Very well, Mark. What do you make of it? 
don't know what to think, Mark. Shock, temporary, or partial amnesia. By now, nothing should surprise us. Anyway, you can't argue with the fact that they're here and very much alive. Or so it seems. Mark? You said seems, Mark. How many strange things seem and then are ever since we got on this planet. I really saw them, the three we buried yesterday. I know they're dead. And I saw another one, Mark. Who, Tiana? Bert. Bert? Even though we buried him yesterday, I saw him, Mark. I saw him. I saw him, Mark. If only I could be certain of what you're saying. There's a way to be certain. Tiona wants Captain Markery to open Bert's grave. Captain Markery opens Bert's grave, and Bert's body is gone. Captain Salas and Kerr sneak into the generator room to steal the meteor ejector. Captain Markery checks on Captain Salas and Kerr, only to find that they are not in their bunks. Captain Salas creates a distraction while Kerr makes off with the meteor ejector. Captain Markery struggles with Captain Salas. During the struggle, Captain Salas's uniform is ripped open, revealing a decaying corpse. Captain Salas reveals himself to be one of the Aryans. Salas and Kier, they're not their bunks. Have you seen them? No. Have you? Submit. Lose their bodies as well as lose their will. We'll never submit to a breed of parasites. Our relationship would be symbiotic. 
In effect, we would be one body. It would in no sense be parasitical. You've got no choice. Either all of us go back together, or none of you, nobody will go back then. You will never get there. You'll see. We will get there, Mark. A certain rejector vital to you has been taken away. You can't leave without it. We'll return it to you only if you agree to take us back with you. All right. You've heard all of the facts. And you will cooperate. No, never. We'll all of us give up our lives to save our own race. Captain Markery devises a plan to steal back the meteor ejector and destroy the Galliot. Captain Markery, Brad, and Sanya head for the Galliot, while Dr. Cairn and Tiona cover the rear. Brad covers for Captain Markery and Sanya as they make their way to the Galliot. They plant their explosive and make it aboard the Galliot. They manage to steal the meteor ejector and head back to the Argus. Brad, Tiona, and Dr. Cairn are killed during the retreat back to the Argus. The Galliot blows up just as Captain Markery and Sonya make it back to the Argus. They blast off, leaving Aura behind. Captain Markery, Sanya, and Wes are the only survivors. Captain Markery orders everyone to get some rest. Wes wakes up to some noise in the corridor. He sees a reflection of Captain Markery on the metal walls. Captain Markery is also armed with a field ray gun. Wes confides in Sanya that he thinks Captain Markery is possessed by an Aryan. Sanya suggests that they confront Captain Markery. Mark. Wes has found out about us. Don't be afraid, Wes. Nobody wants to harm you. Nobody wants to kill you. You. You're one of them. And you too, Sanya. Horrible. You. Both of you. You must become one of us. All you have to do is want it. Just let one of us join you. It'll give you this wonderful new complexity. No. No! Our world will never fall into your hands! Maybe not, but you won't be the one to stop us. Yes. I will! Without the meteor rejector, we'll never be able to reach home. What do we do? We'll have to land now, on that planet. I've done an analysis with a special probe. We can exist in the atmosphere. It's the third planet of the star we call Tsal. So small, it's not even marked on the astro-navigation charts. But will it be possible to live there? For us and those who follow us? It's most likely a young, primitive world. But I think it'll be all right for us. I'll activate the long-range telescopic lens. 
Yes, I was right. It is a puny civilization. Their buildings are still made of stone and iron. How will they accept us? I hope well. For them. And that's the end of the movie. Now it's time for a little movie trivia. Planet of the Vampires is credited as the movie with the most alternate titles. Here are some of the other titles. Terranello Spazio, Demon Planet, The Haunted Planet, The Haunted World, The Outlawed Planet, Planet of Blood, The Planet of Terror, Planet of the Damned, Space Mutants, Terra in El Spacio, and Terror in Space. All of the cast members spoke their native languages during the filming of this movie. You had actors speaking English, Spanish, Italian, and Portuguese throughout the entire movie. Director Mario Bava used a mirror-based Schuften process to combine live action with miniatures, thereby avoiding the costly matte optical printing techniques. And that's all I have for trivia. Here are my comments on the movie. I watched the 2001 DVD release from MGM's Midnight Movie Collection. The picture and sound quality are very good. The only special feature you get is the theatrical trailer. This movie is one of my guilty pleasures. I remember watching it as a kid. They usually showed this movie around Halloween. I think they showed it around that time of year because it had the word vampire in the title. Speaking of vampires, no vampires in this whole movie. They really should have called this movie Planet of the Zombies. I like the story. It's classic sci-fi horror. Some say this movie is the grandfather of the sci-fi horror genre. In fact, there are rumors that say this movie may have been a major influence on Ridley Scott's Alien. It's a low-budget film, so the special effects are pretty cheesy. The special effects are on par with those used on Star Trek. I like how they use colored lights, smoke, and fog to create an eerie landscape. I love the black leather uniforms with the tall collars, skull caps, and yellow piping. They still look cool to me today. I like the field ray guns, too. They shot out flames, just like the Sandman guns from Logan's Run. And the video watches were pretty cool, too. The only thing I didn't really like about this movie was the dubbing. It was pretty bad in spots. But what do you expect from a 1960s Italian movie? I highly recommend this movie to anyone who's a fan of the Alien franchise. You can pick it up on Amazon, and it's also on Netflix, too. I'll give this movie a 7 out of 10. Those are my comments about this movie. Before I wrap up the podcast... I'd like to thank Rico again for letting me share with all of you one of my favorite science fiction movies. Thank you, Rico. I'd also like to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you all enjoyed it. I'll be back soon with another classic science fiction movie. I'll end today's podcast with some music from the movie. Take care, everyone. This is M5 signing off.
Thank you.